Blog Talk Radio. And now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru. Welcome to Wine Talk for tonight, Wednesday, June 19th, 2013. It's 11 p.m. Eastern, and I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru, coming to you live from beautiful Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do. As you know, I will take calls anytime during the show at 1-646-381-4860 or email me your questions to stewthewineguru at me.com. You can also go into my chat room here on the show page and chat with other wine enthusiasts or tweet me any questions you like at Stu the Wine Guru on Twitter and I'll read them live on the show. I want to say thanks to all the listeners globally for getting the word out about my show. Welcome to all of you listening worldwide. I call that the power of the people meets the power of the Internet. Now, if you want to know more about me, just Google Stu the Wine Guru. You can find the websites, the videos, the magazines, and TV shows I'm currently a part of. Speaking of articles and reviews, I'm writing wine articles and reviews for Yahoo, Examiner, Simply the Best Magazine, and many other online magazines as well. Check out my latest wine article in Simply the Best Magazine, the May-June issue, which is a lifestyle magazine available on newsstands and Barnes & Noble and fine bookstores right now. All of my wine articles are now available on any smartphone. Just download the Hello Vino app, and you can take my wine reviews and articles with you anywhere you go. Of course, the number to call in, one six four six three eight one four eight six zero. Or if you're shy and you prefer the computer, just email me your questions to stewthewineguru at me.com. Again, on Twitter, at stewthewineguru. Just shoot me a, a tweet, and I'll read it live here on the show. So, without further wait... Let me talk about who I'm having on tonight. Um, he and his wife have made a recognizable name and label for themselves in the wine business for over 25 years. They had very little wine knowledge uh, at the time, of course. An amazing entrepreneurial spirit. Let me try that one again. An amazing <laughs> entrepreneurial spirit. Wow, Stu. The teeth are new, huh? Uh, they have cornered the market on the value-priced wine uh, single-handedly. And I'm told just as of very recently, they are number two on the New York Times bestseller list uh, for business books, which I have to say is pretty damn amazing. Uh, the name of... The great wine company is Barefoot Wines, and my guests tonight are going to be Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey, the creators. So um, without further wait, let me bring them on. Hold on a second. So who's the first that I have on the, right now? Well, we're both together. Here's Bonnie. Hello. Hey, and Bonnie. Michael. How are you? 
Good. How do we sound over there? You guys sound fantastic. How do I sound over there? You sound fantastic. (laughs) We're we're the two best best states in the country, right? You got it. I'm telling you, there's like a mutual admiration society going on here. Uh, yeah, we love we love Florida. I have to tell you, um, I, I think it's well. First, let me tell you how this is going to go. Let me give you the whole quick lowdown. Um, what I have here is I have people that will call in, people that will email, people that will tweet uh, questions, and will and then I have of course my own questions as well, Michael and Bonnie. So uh, you know we'll field them as they go. And most importantly, first and foremost, I want to thank you both for coming on the show tonight uh, and, and giving a little insight into both entrepreneurial spirit, as I tripped over my words saying this <laughs> in the intro, um, but also, you know, a very needed sector of the market that you guys have really cornered, which is value-priced wine. So I'm going to have you guys go into that and um, – I guess maybe what I'll first do is is kind of give you one of my questions first, and that is, uh, Michael, I'll start with you. Tell my listeners a little bit about your humble beginnings and where it all started. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, where do I start? (laughs) Let me know when you want me to start to respond. Oh, please, please. Oh, okay. Well, we're live. We're on the air. Hi, everybody yes. out there. Uh, it's an honor to be here with you tonight, Stu. Um, Thanks. Humble beginnings. Boy, I'm telling you. Uh, we started in the laundry room. We had no money and no knowledge of the wine industry. We came in at com- into it completely from left field. In fact, we didn't even choose to be in the wine business. It kind of fell into our lap. But when you say humble... How about you go out to the barn and you find an old door that's been there for 40 years and you put it on two sore horses and that's your desk for two years. And then when you look up from your desk, you see a hot water faucet and a cold water faucet and a drain because that's where the hookup goes for the for the washing machine. And you're lucky you don't have enough money to buy a washing machine because now you've got room for your desk. Right. Um, and, and then and then you and then you come up with this wine that has a foot on it, and everybody thinks you're joking, and right. uh, so you have to overcome that. You know the the high end wineries think you're trying to demystify the wine business. Uh, you know the the buyers in the stores can't understand why there's not a number on the bottle. You know, uh, so you know because it's all all, all we did was non vintage. And we did it non-vintage because we started backwards. We started with the price that everybody wanted to pay, which was in today's money five ninety-nine for a fifth, and worked that backwards, and decided that the only way. And, and our buyer was predominantly female, predominantly shopping in a supermarket uh, for Tuesday night wine, not for Saturday night wine, because most right. of them didn't drink Saturday night wine in those days. You have to remember, we had eight times more beer drinkers in 1986 than we had wine drinkers. Absolutely. So, and today we're down to two to one, beer over wine. But I think Barefoot had a lot to do with getting people who would only drink beer to try wine and find out what the varietals were and to have a friendly, approachable package that uh, gave them an education about wine. It's funny, the snobby wineries came back and thanked us 10 years into the project and said, you know, our tasting room is filled with young people who got started on barefoot. Thank you. 
That's what I have to say. That that and uh, um, kudos to you on that because I think that was uh, one thing that right now um, winemakers are striving to to uh, you know get that grab that uh, you know twenty something and millennial. And with that, I wanted to ask Bonnie. So, what do you think of the challenges of working together as a married couple today versus back when you started? I don't know that there would really be much difference between the two, but I certainly wouldn't suggest to just anybody that that's a couple that they work together. It's it's probably more difficult for most couples um, than not. For us, it worked out very well. We have different skill sets, and uh, we didn't try to micromanage each other. We know we knew that we could trust the other person to have the best interests of the business in mind and right. therefore we uh we really appreciated difference of, of opinion which we definitely had differences of opinion but it's worked out very well not only in our business but also in our personal lives you really have to uh find a place to be uh where there is no business around you so you can kind of have a separate room a separate office for business so you're not consumed by it all the time i think that's probably one of our biggest challenges as far as working together, uh, people ask if you've got a secret. Well, I'd say a good sense of humor is a good secret that works for most uh, most difficulties in most any situation. Well, you know, and that and that really uh, that's a, that's a great point in in in, in that. Um, I, I want to go to a, some emails that I've I've been getting in. First is from uh, Mario Vasos of Athens, Greece. It says, I have tried your Pinot Noir when I traveled to the States most recently. I was surprised at its price and its taste, which was smooth. Um, Let's see what it says. Uh, Do you source your grapes from other growers or have one vineyard you grow them on? Great show, Stu. Thanks. So I want to first thank Mario Vasos uh, of Athens for his question. And either of you, if you want to field that. Sure. Well, You have to remember, when we came up with a concept for Barefoot Wine, we were trying to create people's wine. America didn't have its own personal house wine. There was Vendepay from France in those days, and there was inexpensive wines from Italy in those days, but there was no American Vendetab, if you will. And so we took a look at the Italian's... uh, uh, regular house wines, and we took a look at the French tabs and we said, what did these wines have in common in Europe? And what we noticed was that they were smooth, they were easy drinking, fruit forward, low acid, uh, big mouthfeel. And so we went to a formula where all of our wines were created right from the beginning to be big fruit, uh, easy drinking, Uh, smooth, if you want to call it that, but we wanted them to be true to varietal character. The other thing we wanted to do is we wanted to please a market that needed to have the wines taste the same from year to year to year. You know, if you're going to pay $5.99 for a bottle of wine, you don't really want it to taste different from year to year because it's more of a staple. It's more like your personal house wine, and so you want to be able to depend on that. So if you have a bad vintage, like reds were bad in 98, we didn't produce a 98. We produced a 97, and we produced and we mixed it with a 96, and we got gold medals for it. 
in a year when all the reds uh were bad. So right. it's all it's all formula out. I, I have another email that's coming from Bailando eighty eight of Barcelona, Spain, and it says how do you choose which varietals you will produce? Again, I want to thank Bailando88 of Barcelona for your email. And again, either of you, if you want to field that one. We chose the most popular varietals to start with. We had two, Cabernet Sauvignon and Sauvignon Blanc. And to make them more friendly to people that maybe were not as familiar with, with wines as, as you are, we made it easy to pronounce. It was Barefoot Cab and Barefoot Blanc. Um, right. Those were very popular at the time in 1986. And then we added a Zinfandel, which we called Barefoot Zin, and a Chardonnay, which is uh, uh, soon became more popular than uh, the Sauvignon Blanc as a varietal. But each year we seem to be adding more different varietals, and there's a lot of uh, trends that the, the consumers enjoy in the wine industry, and as a varietal becomes more popular, uh, Barefoot would begin to bottle that as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to go maybe to one of my questions here. So, how do you, you know, now we're in the age of social media. I'm going to skip forward a little bit. Um, how do you feel about social media and the millennials? I alluded to that at the intro at the beginning. How do they play a part in marketing of your wines today? Well, social media is absolutely critical today. Uh, it's how people get to know you. Um, it's, it's also a way that you can interact with people to get feedback about your products and whether or not they're satisfying the demand and really understanding the demand. In the old days, they used to have focus groups, and I guess some companies still have that. Um, we like to interview people when we were giving tastings that were tasting our wines or when we were supporting nonprofit organizations just to see how they would respond, and we're talking about the man on the street. But as far as social media is concerned, you really have to have a certain presence. You have to be able to be – you have to have a site – that's easy to navigate, that provides visitors with the information that they need. And then you have to create the kind of interaction that you need to make people feel comfortable. Uh, our site, which is called barefootwinefounders.com, uh, is a social media site. We also have, uh, we also use LinkedIn. We also used, uh, we use Facebook. Uh, we use Google+. And on all those sites, you can interact with us. So, And we think it's important that the average person can talk right to the people who actually created the brand. Good point, because a lot of times that doesn't happen. Um, you'll find, and, you know, I'm not mentioning any winemaker in particular, but I think what happens is, you know, there is someone, which I guess, you know, that, that has that position and that job of, of handling that. And I, and I think what what I'm trying to do is show the bigger picture, something like this, like a show like this, where you have the ability to talk directly to the, uh, the, the, the head of the company or heads of the company uh, in a, or, and or a winemaker. Same thing on the, the other end when you're you know, considering uh, LinkedIn or um, you know, Facebook or 
Twitter that have that instantaneous interaction is very, very integral to success or lack thereof. And so uh, I think that's um, I think that's you know it's a good way to approach it. Uh, let's see, I have some. Let's see what else do we have here. Uh, next one is from uh, Manny Oska of Walla Walla, Washington, and it says, "Hi Stu, I want to ask Michael and Bonnie if they didn't go into w- the wine business, what would they be doing now?" Good question. Thank you, Manny Oska of Walla Walla, Washington, and you guys want to let people well, know I what you've been that, doing. I here? think that. Uh, we would definitely be in some kind of business because we're both entrepreneurial uh, individuals. Um, we are the kind of people who really have a hard time uh, working for other people. In fact, when Bonnie and I met, she was she already had her own business, and she was helping people uh, get their bills paid on time, uh, organize their offices, and, and even working for uh, a couple of growers Uh, overseeing their vineyards and vineyard management. And I was working uh, with wineries, helping them either subdivide their property or or get refinanced. Uh, So I think that if this opportunity hadn't fallen in our lap, uh, we probably would have continued along that line. I'm really glad the opportunity fell in our lap because we had an opportunity to get into the wine industry and make such a big difference, Uh, not just by attracting people who would have been drinking wine, I mean drinking beer instead of wine, but we also right. made a big difference uh, with a lot of worthy causes that we support. That, that's fantastic. Hey, we got a caller. Let me uh, take the call and see uh, who we've got here. Uh, hi, caller. What is your name and where are you calling from? Hello. Uh, my name is Max Morales from Chile from Andes Wines. Hey, how are you, Max? Good to hear from you. Yeah, um, you too. I'm calling from Chile, from South America. Uh, yes. I work in wine the last couple of 12 years, and um, it's, it's very interesting, your story, actually. I was reading a lot about it. Well, that's great, yes. Mac. We we enjoy Chile very much. In fact, we really? got some grapes from Chile some time ago when uh, we were starting our, our business and, and there was a, a real lack of um, grapes one harvest, and so we picked up some from Chile. Great products really? you have there. When did you come here? Uh, we came down there in uh, 1995 for the first time. There was a big wine drought in California in those years, but uh, Chile had a bumper crop. And so we went down there. We were buying white wines down there, uh, Sauvignon Blanc and uh, Chardonnay from Region Seven, your Maule Valley, and we learned to say nice. things like uh, like uh, Claro and Con mucho gusto and uh, <laughs> Mi encanto Chile. <laughs> sure, I mean it's it's hard to believe that Chile has 500 years of story of uh, winemaking. Uh, and Maule, where you bought, it's the oldest one of the oldest uh, wine valleys in Chile. Exactly. And the reason, the other reason I like Chile is because my, with a name like Houlihan, I'm Irish. And so I really appreciate things like the Avenue de O'Higgins and the Plaza de O'Higgins. Because <laughs> <laughs> your founder was an Irishman with the name of O'Higgins. <laughs> you you will be amazed how, how, how Chile is a. Um, I mean, we have a lot of immigrants from from Europe, especially in the south, for example, 
he is one of the many families coming to conquer South America, the wild Patagonia, you know? Oh, sure. Yes, yes, we visited that area in the lakes region. We did a crossing, the lakes uh, crossing into Patagonia. Nice. So please, now you know, you have a friend now that works in wine if you come back again. Well, thank you, Max. Thank thank you, Max. Please reach out for us uh, through our website and leave us some contact information. We would love to talk to you in the future, and good luck. Thank you. I I was just wondering, because I I started reading the story about what you're doing, and uh, to get good good pricing in the wine industry is not uh, an easy thing to do in the States. How... Uh, how do you think Latin America influenced you to? It, I think it helped you to get the idea of the real cost of the winemaking process, or not? Well, you know, uh, Latin America has their own uh, very large brand down there, Concha y Toro, and you right. know, for, for good or for for bad, Concha y Toro introduced itself in the United States. At, to, in today's money, about five ninety nine for a, a fifth for a seven fifty. Okay. And uh, you know, the bad news is that America got the idea that all Chilean wine should be five ninety nine then, and so it was very difficult for high end Chilean wines, Chilean producers, and we know several of them, to sell their wines in the United States because they had that stigma that the entire country should be five ninety nine, whereas in sure. the United States we had just the opposite situation. Most people thought wine was so expensive that they couldn't afford it, so they didn't even try it. And, you know, you had people who were wine aficionados, but they were one in a hundred. And I'm very happy to say that now at least 30 or 40 out of those hundred are wine people because they're able to access wines at the 599 price point. Imagine a a, a varietal like Zinfandel, like red Zinfandel, was not for sale in the United States for 5.99 before barefoot. In fact, the, the most the best price you could get before barefoot was probably 12.99 or 15.99, but most of them were up around $20. So people didn't know Zinfandel. And so barefoot came out at 5.99 and that introduced people to Zinfandel for the first time. I know you have some wonderful varietals down there in Chile. Uh, you know, you have you Carmenet. Uh, maybe I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, you know, your your national uh, varietal, Carmenet. And I think that you're, that's you're saying it very well. Don't worry. And I, I think that that would be a great varietal to bring to the United States and introduce to folks here. Yeah, I mean. Um... Even Chile has a hard problem for, because of what you're saying. We've been doing this for the last 40, 50 years, maybe Conchidoro the last 120 years, but we are still fighting to overcome that. And uh, we have a lot of wineries from the States buying wine from Chile to improve the quality of local wines too. So uh, wine industry for me is... is uh, there's so many things to talk, and I really like what you're doing, actually. Well, thank you. Yes, I want to thank Max for calling in. I really appreciate it and uh, and, and joining us tonight. And uh, thank, thank you again, Max, and you can call in any time. Really appreciate it. Sure. Have a I will evening. contact you through the website, and thank you very much. Bye, Stu.
Thank you. Thank you again. So that was Max Morales from uh, Chile. Um, getting back to some other questions I had here. Let's see. Uh, there was a few others here. Um, oh, yeah. You know what? Tell my listeners about Jen Wall, your winemaker, and how she got involved with your wine. Mm. You want to tell Yeah. Jen is is a great winemaker, and um, she understood um, what it was that we were doing with creating a fruit-forward product. Um, She has studied chemistry, and she understands how to put blends together to blend it with consistent flavor. And that was how uh, she really exceeded uh, with our wines, because that's exactly what we were looking for, fruit forward, consistent flavor, using a variety of vintages. And to keep the flavor consistent year to year, she had her library of the different bottlings that we had, and she would open a bottle of wine and try to match the flavor. And um, only she knows how to do that. I'm not a winemaker, and nor is Michael. So we are very fortunate to have her with her with us. Actually, the story of how we hired uh, Jen Wall uh, is in our book, uh, The Barefoot Spirit, which is available now on Amazon. And uh, we had a winemaker who was working for us, and during that wine drought that we just mentioned to our friend Max from Chile, um, we had a winemaker who was working for us, and he actually told the salespeople that the way to avoid the uh, wine drought was to sell less wine. And uh, Bonnie and I were in Hawaii at the time on a vacation. We came back, and we found out that the salespeople weren't selling wine. And we said, well, why aren't you guys selling? And they said, well, we've been told by the winemaker that we should stop selling because there isn't any more wine. And we looked. Bonnie and I looked at each other, and we said, we need a new winemaker, you know. <laughs> so we called our friends up in the wine industry, and we said, hey, we need a new winemaker who do you got, you know, who can do this this product for us? And of course, we're not winemakers. We didn't know how to make wine, so we respect, you know, that profession. We understand sure. the terms and the chemistry and whatnot, but that's about it. But anyway, uh, one of our friends said, well, you know, we had uh, a young lady apply at our winery recently, uh, but the board of directors thought she was too assertive. And we said, too assertive? Send her over. Yeah, so really. She came over on a Sunday afternoon, and we interviewed her and talked to her for five hours. And we started off with, hey, there's a wine drought. How are we going to solve this? And Jen said, you know, somewhere in the world there's too much wine, and we're going to go find it. And sure enough, she went to France for excess reds, and she went to Chile for excess whites. And she learned how to work with those particular grapes from those particular countries uh, because she was a pre-med biochemist, and she knew how to work with them and figure out how how they would uh, configure into wines that would be seamlessly matched to our California wines. So, I mean, the woman is an absolute genius, and she was much more, more than a winemaker for us because she also handled the COO responsibility, chief of operations responsibility in in the winery. That's that's fantastic. That really is. And and again, you know, hats off to to her for doing that and and taking that approach. So we only have a couple of moments left. 
and, and I, I always ask this question. This is one question. I, 95% or at least more than that of the questions I ask are uh, unique and, and only to those guests that I have. Uh, you'll never hear me repeat the same question, but this is the one question I do. If you could share a glass of your wine with anyone alive or passed on, who would it be and why? <laughs> That's really quite a question. Thank you. <laughs> I I I don't I don't know who would you choose. Oh, I'd choose Michelle Obama. I think um, because okay, and, and here's why: it's because uh, what we did at Barefoot was really revolutionary. You know, we never used advertising because we didn't have any money. Remember that laundry room? We didn't have any right. money. And the big companies were saying, you know, we will not put your wine in unless you advertise. So we decided to get to know our actual customers who were in the neighborhood surrounding the stores where our product was, find out what was important to them, and support them. And in doing so, they had a social reason to buy our product. So this is kind of like social networking before there was social networks. And, right. And we would like to take 10% of the $200 billion a year that's spent in this country on advertising and gear that toward nonprofit organizations and get the companies to realize that this is an effective form of advertising. And I think Michelle Obama would appreciate that idea and help support it. So that was the worthy cause marketing that you had started, launched. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's what we're the most proud of. I have to tell you, I think it is, it was so ahead of its time, you know, I, I really, and looking at it, you know, and reading your book and all, and I, that was the one thing that stood out to me. And I really have to say that, um, you know, if there was anyone that could really think of a concept that is, that resonates, truly resonates with within the, the business of industry, let's put it that way, yours did and has. Um, and I think it's, and I have to tell you, I wish, I know there's a lot who have followed in different ways, and I think that's great, and there should be more of it, and I think it would be even better. Uh, it would make, it would make uh, a lot of uh, companies and corporations, it would hold them, you know, put them to task to, to, you know, to give back and to, to also make people aware of a variety of different things going on in the world. So I just want to leave you with that. I want to thank you guys. I really appreciate it. And, you know, listen, I wasn't able to have you on last month, um, but I'm really happy that I got a chance to have you on, finally get you on, this, on the show. And, I, and I, I, I plan on having you on again because there's so much more I want to ask in this. I'm sure a lot of the questions that are coming from the, you know, out there in the uh, ether. Uh, and so uh, hopefully you guys will be willing to come back on again and, and, and talk with me and my listeners and enlighten myself. That would be wonderful. And I, I want to thank you for everything you're doing. Um, any websites you want to give other than, you know, you know your, your main website is, is, um, is barefootwine.com and there's barefootfounders.com? Yeah, go to barefootwinefounders.com. But the site that I think people would get the kick out of, they should go to thebarefootspirit.com. Okay? okay. It's a book, and since we've – since we had our last uh, opportunity to be with you, we are now the number two New York Times bestseller in the business section. Yes, I, and I mentioned that at the top, and I have to say that's, again, one amazing accolade. Fantastic. I want everybody to go out who's listening to your local bookstore. Go on to Amazon. 
and get this book because it really, really is it's fascinating to be able to be in the wine industry for as long as they've both been in it uh, and, and come from the beginnings that they had come from. And, you know, it means that anyone can do something along these lines, and it doesn't have to be in the wine business. So thank you both for doing what you did and continue to do what you're doing, and um, I appreciate it. And thanks for being on my show tonight. Our pleasure. Thank you, Stu. Thank you, Stu. Have a wonderful evening, both of you. So that was um, Michael and Bonnie, Barefoot Wine, uh, great company, phenomenal company, uh, very impressive. Uh, as I mentioned, there's a bunch of stuff going on that I've got coming up. Uh, that's the show for tonight. So I want to thank everyone who listened in, who called in, who emailed questions, uh, who was in the chat room. I want to especially thank, again, guests, my guests Michael and Bonnie for coming on tonight. If you have any questions about the show, you can email them to stewthewineguru at me.com. You can go to my website as well at www.stewthewineguru.com and click on the link for all my wine articles, videos, and listen to archived wine talk shows. You can also go on to uh, iTunes and subscribe for free and listen to every single one of the 135 podcasts I've done, now 136, over the past three years since its inception. Um, as I always say, if it's time to pour the wine, it's time for Stu the Wine Guru. Drink up, good night, and good wine.